This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. Hey there, this is Mike Van Meter, and this is Recovery is Possible. Thanks for joining me today. And I want to just share with you again an interview that I did with our Aparna Sane on WERA 96.7 in Arlington, Virginia. And we did this interview last week. And in this particular episode, I was a guest on her show. And we are talking about the importance of relationships in both a spiritual journey and in recovery. And really, recovery, at the end of the day, is a spiritual journey. And she and I talk about this topic and talk about how important it is to be in relationships with other people. After all, addiction is isolation and recovery is community and we have community by having relationships with other people. So I want you to join us on this interview and I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. And please share this interview with as many people as you can that need to be in recovery or they are around someone or related to someone that needs to be in recovery. So check this out. Again, this was an interview I did with a Parnasane, and she's also the host on her own show, WERA, and it's called Mindful Nation. So here's the interview. Welcome to Mindful Nation Radio. I'm your host, Aparna. And we're delighted to have another live show here for you. So today's show, I'm excited. We've got a lot of good stuff here. I have got my good friend, Mike Van Meter, joining us. Mike is the host and producer of um, Recovery is Possible. And his show usually comes on after mine. And today we are going to do a swap. He's going to be a guest on my show. And I'm going to be a guest on his show. And we are going to explore different topics that are... That come together on mindfulness, recovery, and all things that make us better as a whole. So relax, get comfortable, because we are going to jump right into some of these topics. And I thought it would be nice to share something that is actually very important in my own personal journey, which is relationships. Uh, a lot of people think when we're in uh, on the spiritual path... You know, it's an individual's journey, which it really is. But it's also how we connect with others around us. So on the spiritual path, we say that the things that we encounter on the path and in our lives are things we need to grow and to evolve. So people always say, how come I didn't get what I wanted or asked for? Well, you may or may not get what you want, but you will always get what you need. So to evolve, to grow to the next phase. So with that, we're going to explore the topic today. And uh, I want to welcome Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Hi, Parna. How are you? Thanks again for having me on your show. 
Yeah, so I'm delighted that you are able to join me live. So we are broadcasting live out of Arlington Independent Media, WERA LP Arlington, 96.7 FM. And Mike is the host, as I mentioned, of Recovery is Possible. So, Mike, I wanted to get your take. I know recovery also is a very individual journey, but I wanted to get your take on how people deal with relationships when you are deep into that recovery process. It's a lot of transition and transformation we go through as individuals. How does that relate to people? Some people don't want us, people around us don't Mm. want to see us change. It's very hard for them to see you transforming as an individual. And sometimes I notice in my personal journey when I go back to meeting people before I jumped into the spiritual path. So I am not in recovery, but and never have been. But I have always been very knee deep in the spiritual path over the last five, six years. And I notice when I go back and meet the people that I that knew me before, I tend to go back to the person I used to be. And I struggle with that because now I've gone through a lot of transformation and I want to stay in that space of being um, whole and healthy and kind of a different person than I used to be when I was in that previous state of being. So, Mike, do you have any thoughts Oh, wow. There's so much to cover. How long is your show again? We might have to go on for a long time. (laughs) Exactly. This This is a very big topic. It it, it is. And, you know, as I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about this, it's... There's just so many, a flood of emotions and and thoughts that come across. And um, let's let's just kind of backtrack a little bit here. And I'm going to start with the the last thing you said, and that is that uh, because I want to go into the way that it is once you get into recovery and going back to those old relationships and then going back and talking about the relationships to begin with when you come into recovery. Because we've talked about this before, that addiction is isolation, recovery is community, right? So. Mm. Uh, in your addiction, you're isolated. In your recovery, you get into, into a community. But let's let's just start at the end, and that is, let's say you're in recovery, and you're uh, sort of on that path. You're on that that journey. You, you've got your program of recovery going. You feel balanced. You feel well. And but you know, it's easy to do when you're surrounding yourself with recovery people. You're going to recovery meetings. You uh, maybe your your family has rebalanced itself, um, and you've got your community and. Um, which is also true when you're in a treatment center. You know, in a treatment center, um, it, it's it, it's easy to stay sober when you're just surrounded by that. A, there's no access to drugs or alcohol, number one. But then your whole life revolves around um, being in recovery, kind of like when you went to the Himalayas and you're mm-hmm. doing that spiritual um um, retreat. retreat you know, you're immersed in that, right? Yeah. In a recovery center, you're immersed in it. But the problem mm. is, what happens when you walk out that door? Exactly. Or when you come out of the Himalayas, then you go back, and then. Yeah. So what happens is, you're you're on that path. But remember, addiction is not just about that person, that person in recovery. It's, it's, it affects the family unit. It affects everybody around you. And for many people, what led to the addiction to the first, in the first place is like dysfunctional family units, dysfunctional life, dysfunctional work balance, and all those types of things. So let's say you're in recovery. 
And then let's say you then have to go back. It's, it's Christmas time or the holidays, and you have to go and visit that extended family. And immediately it hits you when you get home that, oh, my goodness, I'm back into that environment that created the problems in the first place. Exactly. And it can really, if your program's not strong, that can really, really throw you off your game. And so uh, that has such a negative impact because there's so much baggage there. So much Absolutely. baggage there. And so the, the key is going to be in recovery is how to be able to get into your program of recovery and then maintain that no matter what other the, the, the other exactly. influences are. That's the key. And, you know, uh, it's interesting you bring up the isolation component because most spiritual people who go deeper and deeper into their spiritual journey, we tend to isolate. I personally did that and yeah. COVID made it very easy for me to isolate. So uh, for many years, actually, for five Five, six years, isolation team seemed to be the best solution, right? To kind of hide out because I want to maintain the state that I've been able to achieve through that very deep meditation journey. <laughs> so isolation is really, but isolation over long haul can be very toxic. Community is what we want to. Well, you're not designed hold. to be isolated. Exactly. Yeah, Humans not are not for designed for isolation. Mm-hmm. We are here for connection, we're here for community, and we're here to serve. Right. So you can't serve in isolation. You know, because you imagine it, it's great. I think we all need to, to isolate in order to do the things that you talk about to meditate because we have to recenter ourselves. Mm-hmm. But imagine if in the world everybody was isolated and we never communicated with, with, with one another. That wouldn't be a very fun world to be in. So we have to find that balance of being isolated. But, but I don't like to look at that as isolation. I look at that as like reconnection to you, your inner self, the healing, your spe- the healing and the spirituality yeah. part of it. I but agree. at the end of the day, you're designed to communicate with other people because, after all, in recovery, step twelve for those that that, that are twelve step people. Step twelve is having had a spiritual awakening through these steps. Then we carry the message to those that continue to suffer. So the connotation there is that through a spiritual awakening, you're connecting with others and helping them. So your goal then at that point is to help other people, and you can't do that if you're isolated. Right, and sometimes the reason it becomes easy to isolate, I mean, we practiced this, right? In 2020, when we had COVID happen, Mm -hmm. we all were forced into isolation in a lot of ways, right? So for someone like me who lived on my own, It was isolation. You were by yourself. So Mm -hmm. we learned and we saw what were some of the negative impacts associated with that. We saw some of the positive impacts. I was able to go deeper into my spiritual journey. So so those are some of the positives. But in order to serve, as you just mentioned, you have to be able to reintegrate into that community while maintaining that state that you are able to achieve of being whole and healthy as an individual. So you want to maintain your authenticity and individuality while being in community and serving. And, and it's a dance, you know, mm-hmm. especially I notice um, a big difference in the masculine and feminine relationships, right? So typically we're all masculine, it seems like, in the relationships, especially in corporate relationships, because that's how women are asked to show up, right? We're all driven to success goal-oriented, what are my things I'm going to achieve, where's my to-do list, what have I checked off, but those are all masculine qualities. So when you're a woman and you want to attract a man, all of a sudden you just kind of keep, because they're two masculine heads talking to each other, there's no feminine to kind 
come in and kind of attract and hold on to that kind of a connection. So that's one reason why I'm bringing this up because I am actually going to be talking a lot more about this whole uh, how to be feminine and embark on that feminine energy and share that in a corporate environment. Mm, that's pretty interesting. But, you know, and when you were talking about uh, COVID, mm. there are. it is interesting that you mentioned that it, it was good for you because there are <laughs> some people that talked about, <laughs> like, for example, uh, and I think we mentioned, uh, you and I talked about this last week, that on average, on average in the United States, uh, I read in this article that said that on average the uh, people gained thirty pounds yes. in the United States, and so when I and I go and I talk to people and they say, "Man, COVID was was horrible because you know my workout cycle was off, my diet was off," and whereas, but, but there were some people who said, "No, absolutely, I was able to get more working out in. I was able to take I better was just care of myself." Say, yeah, it depends. It depends on the person. So if you're somebody like yourself or me, I actually think I dove deeper into my recovery. And it, yeah. it, while it helped that while COVID happened, I went back to school and got a, a degree in, in addictions uh, counseling. So I was, I immersed myself in that, but that's not what everybody does. You know, that's because you and I, at least in this realm, are, are fairly centered in what we're doing. But if you're someone that's still struggling with, in my case, in the world that I'm in, Addiction, if you don't have that centered, if you don't have that spirituality, if you didn't have that mission, so to speak, during that period of time, COVID was disastrous. It, it, the suicide rate skyrocketed. The the relapse rate or uh, the developing of the addiction rate was horrendous. We're seeing the effects of that now where, where I work. And that's going to be the key because, you know, you have to get into deep a deep sense of wellness and recovery, not for the good times, because again, it's easy to stay sober. It's easy to stay um, centered and, and spiritual when things are going well, but we're preparing for when things are not going well. That's the problem. And, you know, and I think I, I shared with you a story about a, a friend of mine that just relapsed uh, recently and uh, had about nine years of sobriety and then ended up relapsing, got a DUI, and um, actually uh, just cost him his job, as a matter of fact, unfortunately, created a, a lot of pain. And, but what had happened there was just, you know, th th this individual was able to maintain that that uh, sobriety through that period when when he was surrounded by people again relationships race surrounded by that recovery community. Then COVID hit, and the government of all things prevented us from meeting together. Just imagine that for a minute. That's a whole other topic for another day. Now you're not allowed to be around one another, and but but yet not being able to keep that focus and and keep that sense of community, and then it led to some very disastrous things. So that's going to be the thing we have to pre we're preparing. It's kind of like a, an athlete, you know, you, you practice and practice and practice and practice, but you're doing that for game day. And game day for us is when things go bad, when the world mm. goes bad, because we never know what's going to happen. But are you going to be ready uh, on that day? You're tested, as we say, yeah. on the spiritual path. And how well did you prepare for that? Yes, and and preparation is, is a large mm. part of that. And you know, you never know till you know. So that's why on the spiritual path, we say that this is all a practice because there will be some days when you're tested and you may not, you may fail, right? But when you're, you can, how quickly can you come back? Yeah, resiliency. That? That's yes, the resiliency, resiliency part of piece. it. Yeah. yeah, so that is, we're tested all the time, mm -hmm. but how quickly can we come back? Right. So that is something that, um, you know, is just done over practice. 
So not judging ourselves, coming back to the practice, going back to the right. 12 steps or getting going back to whatever it is that centers you. And, you know, and meditation is a great tool for that. So what, yeah. that's why we say it's a daily practice, right? So meditation and, and mindfulness, those are daily practices that we need to observe regardless of what's happening. So when you're happy, you're meditating. When you're sad, you're meditating. You're meditating daily for 15 minutes at least every day. Right. No matter what happens, because that's your practice. Yeah. And, you know, and just one other thought on that, too, is that there's this uh, there's just something inherent in us that we think that like if we find religion, let's say, or we we find uh, mindfulness and meditation or we get into recovery, there's this idea that once that happens, life is going to get good and people around Mm -hmm. us will get good. And and I think that, again, looking at relationships, that's something that we have to get out of our mind that the world doesn't change around us people don't all of a sudden become good because we got well right because we found religion because we found spirituality we found recovery that's not how it works and in fact oftentimes it seems as though things get worse and in in the recovery world the reason why it seems that way is because now we're aware of it see if you're if you're high all the time or if you're drunk all the time you've numbed out you don't you don't feel all the things that are around you, but when you're sober, you feel it. So it, it's worse. And what we tell people in recovery is you got to remember those jerks that are out there, the bad things that are going to happen. They're, they're there. They're not going away. They haven't changed. The world hasn't changed. You have changed. And yes. that's really what it came, comes down to is we aren't getting sober to change the world. We're changing. We're getting sober so we can change how we react to the world. Oh, and that's, that's an important I distinction. Love that. And it's a very important yeah. distinction, exactly, because one of the things that I want to get away from is people always say, oh, now I've evolved, and so now I need a new set of friends because those old friends, are I can't relate to them or something else happens when I talk. Those people are bad, and I'm going to find good people. Well, this is one of the biggest mistakes. There's no good, there's no bad. People, and it may be true that, you know, if you're surrounded by someone who's always drinking, then you want to get away from that for a little bit but the reality is that we don't pick our family so you know you definitely have those relationships that are still there but it's how you deal with them or how you are and how you process those emotions and one of the things i love about a spiritual practice is that over time and this happens very subtly over time once you start meditating or or doing some of the breath work is you start to create a little space between you and that trigger So when I first started Mm. experiencing it, it was kind of nice because all of a sudden now you're becoming an observer of that act. So it's not really triggering you. You're observing it. It may bother you for a few minutes. It's almost like it's taking you away. You're rising above it. And then you're able to kind of assess it um, in a more holistic, like in a a better way. So Mm. you don't, more objective is the word I'm looking for. So it's a really good tool to have because you're able to kind of step away that's why we say if you're triggered take a few deep breaths and then come back and respond because the response is going to be totally different two triggered people are just talking at each other 
not really nobody's not getting anywhere it's interesting that you bring that up because when you look at the the 12 steps steps four and five uh four is where you do uh by searching a moral inventory of yourself and you list out all of the things that the way that you would put it trigger you they they, we we kind of discuss about discuss this in different terms but it's really looking at the things that sort of set you off Hmm. trigger you if you will and then step five is you you share those things with another person and then you you discuss why that is but what we want to do in recovery is we those those triggers is we want to go back and we want to explore why is why does that trigger you and really get to the heart of that emotion because if it triggers you then there's going to there's something inside you that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. absolutely but we have to first identify those the triggers and that's what four and five are particularly four so but you know there will no matter how many you work through there will always be something and one of the things I notice about triggers personally is that you can address it today, but, you know, two months from now, you might find that same trigger coming up, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, I thought I dealt with this because I, I, this has happened to me as I unfold through my spiritual journey. The same triggers that impacted me, let's say, 10 years ago are still kind of there percolating. I haven't mm-hmm. fully processed them. And it can be kind of frustrating because you think, wow, I thought I was done with this right because we all want to be done we're like Mm -hmm. I've evolved now what's next it's the brand new me this is a new year's resolution right it's like I'm done it's the new me I found the new me and it lasts for 30 days if that much because there's an interesting concept I think family can be the biggest trigger, yeah, right? I and uh, I, I say them. that as my daughter is sitting right here. <laughs> the, the family can be the biggest tr- trigger, right? <laughs> if she's sitting right here, she could probably relate to that. But the, what, the reason why I say that is, um, you know, what's interesting is that I found that when I like when I go home now, that's when I'm triggered the most because. Mm-hmm. If you think about this, when you leave home, see, I, I went into the military. Well, I left college, went into the military, went off, and, and, and never really went back home again. I've always lived somewhere else. But when you leave your home, really, your the, your relationship with your parents goes back to the way it was when you lived at home. They remember you the way that you were when you were at home. Now, when you're 30 years old, 40 years old, in the in your 50s, where I'm at right now, um, there's been a lot of development on your end since you left home, right? Yes. But what do they remember? You were 19, you. Exactly. 20 years old, whenever, however old you were when you left home, and, and they still, you're still that kid that was living there, but you're like, no, I'm a grown man that's had a career and been in charge of things and done all these, these other things and really developed. That's not what they see because they never saw that. And so when you go home and they're treating you like you were that 18, 19-year-old when you're living at home, that's triggering. That's very triggering, at least for me. But yeah. the difference with us, though, is it, people. In re- when I say us, people like in recovery and people that do the work that you do, um, we become aware of it. Like, so when I go home and I visit, like when I go home and I visit my family, I'm very aware that that's happening, and I mentally try to prepare for that. And to, but so a lot of people. That's why re- you and I have talked about this before. That everyone really needs to be in some sort of a program of recovery mm, for to have those concepts. 
right? You know, and it's interesting you bring this up because just recently I noticed I was home with my mom who's uh, recently turned 80 and she said to me, she was watching something on TV where this girl was meditating in the Himalayas for, um, you know, I think six hours straight and so they were capturing her journey. Mm. And my mom was like, watch this, she's able to sit and meditate for six hours, you know? And, and I was like, wait, I've done that like so many times in the trips I've taken and the retreats <laughs> I've done in the Himalayas, in the like the same places they were showing. Meanwhile, she has no recollection of, she has like totally has no concept that I've done that, right? So, mm-hmm. And then yet she's watching someone on TV doing the same thing. So I was just like, uh, you know, I, part of me was that little girl inside wanted to say, you know, you never appreciate anything I've done, but you notice it on TV with some random person that we don't They've even know. They've done it once. I've done it every day. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I'm like, God, I've been doing that for like years now, for mm-hmm. like five, six years. So... Yeah, so it, it does trigger you, right? But then I caught myself and I was like, well, you know, from her perspective, she doesn't really know because it's not like she was with me when I was doing all this. So I've learned to back off a little bit and see the situation from the other person's perspective because mm-hmm. I still, no matter how much meditation I do, I still get triggered by certain situations. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, I can't believe I lost my coal on this. I don't lose my coal. I just sit and observe it and I think, okay, one, the number one thing that we learn on the spiritual path is that what we, whenever we're triggered, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, what am I here to learn? How do I grow from this experience? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, always. Mm. That's the first thing you ask is, how do I grow from this experience? Now, sometimes it might, if you're really triggered, it might take you a little while to get there, but you really want to go back and examine, okay, how can I grow from this experience because only then can you get better little by little by little it is for me been that journey where it's like small baby steps of growth Mm -hmm. well you know it is important because i do believe that in life you are being whatever you go through you're being prepared for something else you're being prepared for what's coming and uh many of you know we've talked about this on this this program that you know i'm running for a political office right now and i can tell you that um the this is this whole recovery journey has has prepared me for that because if you've never run for a political office or if you've never been in the the public light it's it's a daily beatdown um almost nothing i do not i mean and i mean literally not almost everything i do is criticized there's nothing that comes out of my mouth that is not criticized by somebody and it's online i i've mm. i'm barraged with texts and facebook you're just attacked relentlessly and and that's just business that's in the political world that's just business if i was not practicing the things that we're talking about from a recovery standpoint there's no way i could function there's no way because you have to i do believe i was prepared for the beating that was to come in in this business and um you know and, and so i really like what you were just saying there is whatever you're going through whatever trial you're going through ask yourself why am i going through this and what can i learn from it and with that thank you so much for being here mike it's always a pleasure to have you here on mindful nation radio you're listening to mindful nation radio i'm your host aparna and we always try and bring you these delightful topics and delightful guests. Mike, it is such a blessing that we have you to be with us live. C- continue to tune into the show Mondays, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, 10 o'clock, half an hour. Enjoy your journey today. And with that, we are going to sign off on Mindful Nation Radio.
You're listening to WERA. So that was my interview with Aparna Sane, and I want to thank her for doing that interview of me, and I'm sure that was some great information for you or a loved one or someone you know that needs to be in recovery, or they're just working on their own spiritual journey. And uh, again, that was an interview that we did last week on WERA 96.7 FM here in Arlington, Virginia. And so folks, with that, again, my name is Mike Van Meter. Recovery is possible. Check this out uh, the radio show that is on WERA or you know pass this podcast on to anyone that needs it because recovery is possible and we are looking forward to just sharing all of this information with everyone out there that needs it because man goodness we are having a real addiction issue in this nation particularly with fentanyl which is just just getting so out of control. And so with that, folks, this episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call us at 855-802-6600 for more information. And folks, I will see you next time here on Recovery is Possible. Because it is, put in the work. I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.